Hello, this is Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, Episode 1. On today's episode, me and three others will discuss allegories, He-Man vs. Lion-O, Silvio Berlusconi, Magic Numbers, oh, and plenty of math too. Here goes. Okay, welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the podcast that has been tailor-seried for mathematicians. Coming to you from the rarefied but very stale air of the graduate student complex at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, I am Sam Hansen, and with me today is the man with absolutely no superpowers but two master's degrees, Anthony Solari. Hello, everybody. Oh. No. Oh, so so I'm allowed to keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's okay if I present the rest of the people, even though we don't have masters. Well, I, I was all upset about my not having a superpower, but you know, I'll I'll let you continue for now. I'll complain later. Uh, next is the boy with a set theory superpower, Nathan Rowe. I don't know about superpower, but um, I, that is my name. And then the uh, undergraduate, Chris Bates. Oh, I, I have I have, uh, I have no superpowers to speak of at this time. Well, also, you are he's... you are an undergraduate who hangs out with graduates, isn't that isn't that a superpower? Oh, yes, I'm a super sidekick. <laughs> super sidekick. Super there you go. Okay, so you're just All a sidekick, right. and uh, I thought they handed out superpowers like with your degrees. So I should like have more superpowers then. Uh, it just happens that mixing the degrees like you have. Oh, they cancel they out. Cancel that. Ah, uh, what was I thinking? You chose the just, wrong degree. I chose the <laughs> if you would have just stayed with the math degree, yeah, then yeah. then you would have been able to fly. But, but you you, three you cancel that they in cancel with uh, with the ability to breathe underwater and talk to fish. Oh, that. <laughs> Flying and breathing underwater just don't they mix, just, I'm they guessing. They do not mix. They do not mix. Okay, as this is the uh, <laughs> first... That doesn't make sense. As this is the first episode of Combinations and Permutations, I feel that we should probably give some sort of uh, general idea of what this podcast will be like. And as we aren't entirely sure ourselves, basically what I will say about it is that we're going to take some sort of mathematical topic Start with that, and uh, due to some law of cosines or tangents, not end up anywhere near the same topic by the end of it. And so, and once again, this is the first episode, so we're going to take possibly the broadest and most controversial possible topic that we can cover, which is, is mathematics discovered or is it invented? Is there's such a thing as math are the numbers out there in some sort of a platonic form sort of way oh or <laughs> brain freeze <laughs> or I'll let is, you argue that one or is there is there some uh way that we have actually created a lot of what we view as mathematics which kind of goes against what a lot of mathematicians want to say because we're always very proud that Math is the one thing that is provable. Like I'm, I'm don't know about everybody else, but 
uh, is everyone else generally happy that you can walk up to some sort of physicist and be like, hey, you don't actually know any of the things that you're talking about, well, for sure. But we we can take this thing, we can prove it. Right, right. Math. Yeah. Well, yeah, they can't be proven the, in the, the same structure sense. Knowing is created a... is proved and cannot be denied. But uh, it's the, is yeah. it discovered? Did we discover it, math? Is Did it we, necessarily we true? We discovered the theorems after. Yeah, yeah. I'm not completely convinced that numbers are platonic. I mean, 69. Uh, it doesn't strike me as platonic. <laughs> 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 but, oh, that, that, uh, that's where the dreams of a different sort of platonic. That's not where the math <laughs> dreams come. Not not the sort of platonic as in Plato. <laughs> yeah, Plato as in. Uh, do you know Do you know the allegory of the cave at all? Capital One. Have you ever heard of the allegory of the cave? Is it the the shadow puppets? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, in in some way it is. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll take a take a quick trip out to the uh, greatest place on the internet or the interwebs or perhaps just that series of tubes that Ted Stevens was talking about, otherwise known as Wikipedia. Oh, I thought it was going to be a Google porn image search but <laughs> you know we've we've been talking for approximately four minutes shadow puppets to put this is like shadow porn porn so yeah shadow, shadow porn, porn. Okay. the allegory of the cave as written in wikipedia and there's no little tags here so i think we can trust this one also commonly known as the myth of the cave metaphor of the cave or parable of the cave is an allegory used by Plato in The Republic to illustrate our nature in its education. Okay, that is all crap. I don't think the allegory of the cave is what we're looking for. No, platonic it's, forms. It, yes, the, it is. It, the allegory of the cave is where platonic forms come from. I mean, from. He, he gets at the good. No, the no, good here, here. The just, sun that just, exists outside the... Here, just, just give me a second. It, I just need to get to the all second right, paragraph. Okay, okay, all right, okay, okay. Okay, so Plato imagines a group of people who have lived chained in a cave all their lives facing a blank wall. Undergrads. Yes, undergrads. <laughs> so the enlightenment occurs. Undergrads, okay. So undergraduates in classes, and they're just watching shadows projected on the wall by things that are passing in front of the cave entrance, but all these things are passing behind them. So the light is coming in through the back of the cave, and then on the wall in front of them, they're seeing these things, but since they've been, uh, shadows are as close as the prisoners get to seeing reality, because they've been chained their entire lives in here, and so they actually begin to think. They don't begin, they have always. Yeah, they have always, sorry. They have always thought that that is what something actually looks like. Like, someone would, like, say, put a spatula in front of the cave, and it'll go along, and they'll see the shadow. They will actually think that that shadow is what a spatula is, yeah. but, uh, Plato then goes on to say the philosopher is like a prisoner who's freed from the cave and understands that the shadows on the wall are not constitutive of reality, but yeah. just that they're a shadow of what reality truly is. So that that's the allegory of the cave, and that's where platonic forms come from. Platonic forms are the things that are passing in front of the cave itself. The physical object on the desk is just a shadow. Yeah, like like these microphones the are form. these are just a shadow of the true platonic form the truth of what a microphone is which of course is absolute and utter bullshit yeah, uh, yeah. because this is a microphone it is a microphone it is truly a microphone because i'm talking into it it's processing what i say and it's sending it to something to record it is a fucking microphone but it does get a little bit more interesting when you start talking about numbers right because well, what is three is three might... that Arabic digit that we happen to draw there? Is it three strikes? Is it three fucking oranges? Or is it two oranges and one apple? I mean, what the hell is three? And that's why 
at least historically, mathematicians have been uh, very distinctly pro-Platonism. Earlier on, at least, yeah. Well, with the microphone example, you might have some arguments there, because what the problem is, is we're not really talking about the microphone itself. Usually what we're talking about is our experience of the microphone. And so you Uh, you have... Yeah, you know, the, the picture has or... gone through the eyes. It's been processed in the brain. We have some idea of what a microphone is. You know, it's, I don't know, it's not, it's not just the object. It's not, you know, we don't experience it, the individual processes that occur. We don't know, actually know what happens. We just, you know, at the end of the day, we have a podcast. And we know it must have done something in between our speaking and the actual podcast. Okay, so what you're saying is since I'm not a fucking electrical engineer... No, because I you don't still know. processed it. At the end of the day, electrical engineering is a theory about reality. And so you might argue that that's oh, not... Oh, shit. <laughs> 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 the th- you, well, uh, I, I, I know I'm just, just putting forth an argument. I'm not challenging you. Challenge. I'm challenging whoever taught you that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but... so that It's an argument of what's, uh, what is reality. Is yeah, it our experience yeah. of reality? Or well, is, well, what is fucking reality? Outside? I mean, on Slashdot and then on uh, the user-friendly uh, webcomic I read, they've been talking about fucking reality as a hologram. Oh, like, yeah, I did see no. that. No, but but that, that's a topic for a completely different day. Well, uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's relevant, though. I mean, when, we, when you mentioned physicists, I mean, physicists are talking about... I mean, the, the job of a physicist is to model physical reality using mathematics. Uh, so they try to have some theory that predicts what's going to happen in this experiment, or what you know, what what's right. the probability of these outcomes for this experiment. Um, so they're trying to describe reality, uh, but I mean, what is? I mean, in the end, our description of reality is in the form of mathematics, or it's in the form of you know human language. This is what I believe will happen. You do the experiment. This is what happened. Was my theory good? Yes, or maybe my theory wasn't good. But how do you separate the actual event from the description of the event? I mean, how can we talk about an electron without explaining what an electron is in mathematical terms? You know, the spin, the charge, the... Well, but I mean, that's that's just a function of language. I mean, uh, it's... I mean, we have to describe it, but I mean, in general, you can you can talk about things in, in a completely obtuse vocabulary. I mean, it, it, it all comes down to the math in the end. But two people on the opposite side of the world can find the same thing about it. It's, I mean, that, that way you know what an electron is, is because other people can observe the same general feelings, provided that we're not mm. talking about quantum. <laughs> I do have a... I often wonder if uh, there wasn't such the process of globalization going on today, how much of science would actually be uniform? Because there was a lot of different philosophies of how science should work until everybody got <laughs> together and they were like... Well, about oh, how, that's, about that's how it should work, but if... How it should work, uh, uh, but I mean, let let technology keep going the way the the mm-hmm. way it was in all areas. I mean, all areas even before globalization were becoming more technological. In the end, okay. you you end up you end up with the same caliber of measuring equipment. I mean, take uh, there's a story on uh, WNYC's Radio Lab. Uh, they had an interesting episode about uh, scientific discovery and as like the aspects of discovery itself. And one guy was talking about how he was he was incredibly pumped. He thought he had this amazing discovery. It was some physicist or chemist, some one of the one of the physical sciences. Mm-hmm. And he thought he had found this amazing thing. 
until he started searching around. It turned out that somebody else had had found the exact same thing on China, someone or China or Turkey, somewhere on the opposite side of the world, who he had never had any interaction with. It turns out they ended up looking for the same thing and finding the exact same thing to like three decimal places. And and at first he was like, "Son of a." Bitch, God, why? Because I mean, I think he was a graduate student at the time, and yeah. as we all know, we get yeah. very, very angry if, say, you find out that all the work you've done on the K three surface uh, has already been done, <laughs> yeah. right, Nathan? Yeah. It's, uh, so there's yeah. a story behind that. I, um, I, I think I, I still might have a paper out of that, though. I I talked to talked to my advisor and. I think I think that even though it's known by a broader theorem, I'm using I'm using smaller machinery. It's not as advanced mathematics to prove it. It's just more intuitive, and so there's actually still a proof, and it might still be publishable. I, I might even I might even be able to get it in a journal, just not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I mean, we can argue about whether a journal is good or bad. Uh, there's an article I read not too long ago about the good journals actually just being uh, significantly more crony, significantly more cronyism in there. Mm. You tend to get into a good journal if you know people, not if you're necessarily doing great math. But shh, I, I did not just say that out loud. Please publish me in the good journals. In that's that that's means. <laughs> that's what I want to be published in. Uh, what that means but but I mean, he was he was talking afterwards like that was his first thought like it's not very fun if someone's already discovered but then he's like this is amazing because there is some sort of truth behind this and this gets back to the the general idea of our discussion yeah. that that he found like there is truth this is the same on the opposite yeah. side of the world using completely different equipment right that's 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 the beauty of the scientific mm -hmm. method that's yeah. why knowledge is I mean that's that's the foundation, the fundamental aspect of all gained knowledge is the scientific method, and that was, that was why. I mean, but I mean, even even before we had the scientific method, we had math. Like math right. comes before all of this. I mean, before the scientific yeah. method. Yeah. Yeah. I because mean, I mean, if you <laughs> if you if you look back at. <laughs> you just want to scream out by the power of grace. By the power of grace, come. Which is actually how Anthony finishes all of his papers. Unfortunately, like at, the, at the end of his soon, proofs, I'm gonna draw. <laughs> he draws. He draws draw a picture of a man, <laughs> and he says, "By the power <laughs> of Grayskull, QED, and <laughs> induction, <laughs> and induction, and induction, it is proved." Uh, that's my superpower, induction. Not induction. Not <laughs> I, have a superpower. I think Lionos. I think Lionos sword. A uh, sword, uh, whatever you want to call it, his sword scene was probably more uh, had more drama to it because he had the projector and he could send the bat sign up, but it was the cat sign, I well, guess. Yeah, because uh, he was Thundercat. I mean, he was Lionel, oh, man. No. So, I thought oh, we're gonna wait, have wait, wait, mention wait, how the sword got bigger or something, the same and thing? suddenly he got more power. What? Yeah, what? <laughs> we're talking about Thundercat. <laughs> and he I know, brought I'm up with Thundercats, but he brought up that. That Lino sword was cooler than He-Man's. Oh, that's true. Like it, with it, the extended bigger, blade. Right? Yeah, it gets, it gets bigger when he powers up, and that was so. Uh... And uh, yeah. how does he power up? <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of Cialis and a Viagra. <laughs> Viagra sword gets bigger, and no one can stand in his. Oh, <laughs> his giant blank. <laughs> he smites evil. Just a second. Did you actually just say blank? Yeah. By by his gigantic. 
blank. Yes. Something. <laughs> it's phallus. It's phallus. And he can see sword. under Shitara's leotard by looking through the sword. You know, the sword, the eye <laughs> of me sight, sight, yeah. Sight, sight, yeah. Good times. Okay, so Euclid. Back on topic. <laughs> so, I mean, say, I mean, all the way back to Euclid. I realize that there were mathematicians before Euclid, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. Well, he stole their work. Archimedes. <laughs> no, Archimedes, no, Archimedes was post, and he was much more of an engineer <laughs> than well, a. He did. Than he a, did I mean, he did. He did some. Archimedes math- was one was of the, the first, first applied mathematician. Well, he was also one of the first um, to to require rigorous proof. And but Euclid used Euclid. Euclid, Euclid did with the of. elements did, but outside of algebra, I mean, outside of geometry, people didn't require rigorous well, proof. It's Al- because back then, outside of geometry, method, very little though. was understood. Yeah, well, there wasn't too many other like, theories. Archimedes either. kind of invented the method of of limit proofs with epsilon delta. He did something very similar to that. Uh, so, yeah. uh, so if I can like hold a Doc Brown, I mean, because I have him on speed dial, I can go back. At 88 miles per hour in the oh, DeLorean. Matt Doc Brown. Okay. Matt Doc Brown. <laughs> as soon as go, you said 88, the I was phone like, time machine. Uh, so, so, so go back with Doc Brown. If I want to get rid of Epsilon and Delta, what you're saying is I need to kill Archimedes. No, Ar- Archimedes Archimedes had something similar. Epsilon and Delta originated from, L- not Lebeg, Leibniz. Yeah. Leibniz. Oh, but I like Leibniz. <laughs> I always got in trouble because I canceled his D's, you know, and. Do was a dy or dx, and you cancel the d, oh, you send it with y over it. <laughs> and then I that, send that's it with a big my fetish. favorite. <laughs> big F. Right. Okay. So was math? I, I feel I feel that we have enough of a background now. Okay. Was math discovered or invented? Yes. Okay. So so we have a yes. Change. And what? Change. Change. We need change. Dude, I, I realize, I realize that, uh, say, perhaps, you know, the color of your skin may make you really identify with Barack Obama, but math, change of variable. Very okay, change of variable and a yes. Anthony? What are we going on now? Is math invented or discovered? Yeah, I'm going with yes. <laughs> So two yeses, change a variable, <laughs> and my answer is seven. Oh, 42. I forgot. That was the other oh, answer. Oh, yeah, yes and 42. <laughs> okay. Answer. Well, no, I mean, quite honestly, I mean, it, most of the time to me it feels like it's discovered. When I'm, if I'm doing some of, you know, the research I do in graph theory, do something like that, I don't feel like I'm inventing the answer. It's more like the answer is there and I'm just dragging it back out. See, see I get half and half. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do. Sometimes, like when I'm doing algebraic geometry, I I do feel like I'm discovering. But when I've been doing set theory or the thing I've been doing with the the rational, I mean, you know, uh, probability of a countable subset of the rationals, that seems more like inventing because I'm creating a new measure. And there are uncountably many measures. I proved that on accident. Um, not not on accident, but it just kind of happened. Anyway. Uh, you know, so so there's more. Even if even if we were to start going and keep going and come up with one every 52 seconds until the end of time, uh, you still wouldn't capture all of them. 
even if you well, continue going that's forever, assuming that there is an end of time there's no 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 I'm, I'm saying i'm saying even if you keep going and going and going and there's no stop you still don't well, yeah but then there's fresh. also an uncountable amount of time oh but no, no, if no. it what happens if the amount of time is of a higher cardinality than the well, amount of measure and yeah. then we get into all kinds of weird things which well, kind of is why i tend to agree that even though but, it feels but, like I mean, math is discovered to me it's, it has to be invented. I mean, we run on axiomatic principles. Axioms cannot be proved. <laughs> well, and there's not even such a thing as one one mathematics. There are some sorts of mathematics where, for example, the axiom of choice, the axiom of choice is true, and there's others where it's not true, and they're both equally mathematics. Right, but... Um, so, so, so I mean, it, it's clear that, that you can invent axioms you can mm -hmm. invent axioms but often i i like to think of of it as as discovering new axioms that are sensical to take in certain situations well yeah but i mean the, if you i mean any set of axioms uh for instance you know zfc uh comes with its own set of paradoxes uh the, the paradox of what is it taking a sphere and uh with a finite number of uh, you know break it up into a finite number of pieces and rotate them and and put them back together. Now you've got two spheres of the same size. Right. So in any set of axioms, right. you're probably going to have uh, some some true statements which are nonsensical if you try to apply them as models to What's physical reality. What's the name reality. of that theorem? The, the two sphere theorem. Two sphere theorem? I, I don't know. I know Wikipedia has it on the on their map. Unmeasurable page. sets. Uh, it's something about unmeasurable sets. Uh, uh, well, it, axiom. If you just t do axiom of choice on Wikipedia, then you can find a link to it. It's an Italian but, guy. <laughs> It's always an Italian guy. No. <laughs> why, why is it always an Italian? What, what do you have against the Italians? No, I'm just. Yeah, it's like, do you have something against them because they tend to fix all of their football matches? This is a very. I mean, is, is it man. is it because uh, somehow Italian. Silvio Berlusconi, uh, you know, can do whatever he does? I mean, not only own like the largest football club, AC Milan, in the entire nation, own it, run it, and also be president of Italy. Hey, you know, what? Just, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something I like out, that. I, I, I don't. Out, I don't know anything about Silvio Berlusconi. I went. But. I went cheese shopping with like a professional cheese taster. One of my when friends. When was that? Just, I, I went. This was two days ago. I went. Like we went to uh, World Market. No, no, no wait. I not need World a, Market. I'll not World find Market. Find an application. Whole Foods. We went to. We went to Whole Foods. He was a professional cheese tester for like three years, working at some upscale, upscale grocery store in, in Wisconsin. Or Minnesota, sorry, not Wisconsin. Um, anyway, anyway, he was talking about he was talking about this certain kick-ass Parmesan Reggiano that's been produced by the same company the exact same way uh, for 400 years, and it's partially owned by the Italian government or something like that. Um, and and it's 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 like the highest quality you can get, and it only comes in wheels that are 80 pounds each or something like <laughs> that. And 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 it's. Apparently, very, very, very good and delicious, and I really want some. But the only Parmesan Reggiano they had at uh, at uh, Whole Foods was, you know, an imitation. It's like it's like you need. It's got a K in it. The there's a three letter combination that has a K, and it's not KGB. Uh, that that is the. Oh man, I so want Putin creating my cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so fucking awesome. Uh, no, uh, you look around, uh, Belgioso. Uh, from Wisconsin, the cheese company I tend to buy all my cheese from. I think they have a Parmesan Reggiano. Well, but that, that it's not the the no, Parmesan it's not Reggiano. the, but they, it's, no, it's but still it's like 
it's 400 years or something like that. They've got some of the same factories doing the same things, you know, and it's and it, they haven't changed it whatsoever. They still do like there's something really weird that they that they, you know, like they, that's back when before they even had steam power. So they probably they probably stir it with horses. <laughs> <laughs> I did, or windmills, windmills. Oh man, that'd be cool. Or not? I don't know. Okay, uh, so Silvio Berlusconi uh, oh. is the founder and major shareholder of Finnevest, one of the country's ten largest privately owned companies. He is also currently the prime minister and has been the longest-serving prime minister. He's held it on four separate occasions of Italy. He owns a salon. <laughs> He's also a, uh, a songwriter. Uh, <laughs> His wife's a supermodel. Uh, probably. I, <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't. I don't. If, if, if she wasn't wife, before, his she, other wife. Well, know. or if she, if she wasn't a supermodel before she got married to him, she is now. You know? Oh, uh, and <laughs> and uh, he has a certain legal problem that is titled Jowlgate. Jowlgate. <laughs> huh, sounds familiar. <laughs> but apparently, it's not actually about jowls. Mm. Which is really what I was hoping. I was really hoping that he got in trouble because he had too many chins. Mm. <laughs> and he had state money uh, used to... I cannot, for the life of me, uh, find anything about uh, spheres in the axiom of choice. Spheres with the choice. axiom of choice? Look at paradoxes or something. Un- unmeasurable sets. Uh, yeah, and... It, God damn it! No, uh, the the theory. Oh, here is, it is. Okay. Yeah, you can slice a sphere. It's like it's paradise. They use they use solid unit balls. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Banach Tarski. Tarski. Salty balls. The Banach Tarski paradox, which says that it's possible to decompose the three dimensional solid unit ball into finitely many pieces. Five pieces, actually. Okay. Keep the paradox says fucking finite. I'm just saying, it's five. <laughs> no, that might be the smallest amount you could, but you could probably cut it up into ten, too, and do the same fucking thing, right? You might come out with, with four balls. <laughs> Colombians would chop it up even, you know, five. No, I, 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 I could deal with having four balls. As long as they're epsilon balls. Uh, Those are kind of small. Finitely many pieces, <laughs> and using only rotations and translations, reassemble the pieces into two solid balls, right. each with the same volume as the original. The pieces in this decomposition constructed using the axiom of choice are extremely complicated. Wow, that's not surprising. I actually figured that they would all look like fucking pyramids. (laughs) We're we're, we're taking a one fucking unit sphere. We're building two unit spheres without doubling the amount in there. And it, it really feels that it's necessary to mention that they're complicated. Yeah. Yeah, you're not stretching anything. That's either. You're just you, you taking build, them apart and repiecing them. You build uh, non-measurable sets. Like they've they've proved they've proved that that rotations and translations um, hold, or, or um, what's it called when it stays the same? It doesn't change. Maintain symmetry. Isometry. Uh, yeah. Whatever. I mean, the the, si- the they're in- invariant. invariant. Yeah. Volume stays invariant um, when it's a measurable set, but when you cut something too complicated, rotating it. Uh, is such is such a complicated procedure that because there's just as many points on the real line in in one piece as there is in the other, you know, when they're both uncountable, so it's the same size of infinity. You know, the, then the rotation can actually screw things up and make it skew the volume a little. 
Uh, and so when you put them back together, you can put them back together in such a way that that you've got you've got two balls of the exact same size. You doubled the volume. So that's where we're getting our bailout money from. That 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 would maybe <laughs> well uh, cutting all our money I mean, apart, putting it back together. Uh, just the right way to double. There was it. A, there was a like April Fool's a nature article or something that I read it on the Wikipedia where Dude, uh, everything is on the I know, Wikipedia. I, 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 I like, I like it's it's not just right not just Wikipedia anymore. It's it is now the, followed by in all caps <laughs> the, the Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Right. Anyway, but someone published a paper about. Uh, People finally, alchemists in in like middle the middle of Africa managed to uh, to create more gold by using the Bonnock-Tarski principle to duplicate <laughs> atoms. <laughs> <laughs> Mathematician, witch doctor. <laughs> of course, here we here we run into the uh, you know the, witch the, the, <laughs> here we run into the problem of physics. I mean, uh, a gold ball uh, is not actually a solid. Ball. It's not I mean, it's, well, no, I mean, nothing. Space. Nothing is solid. I mean, that's that's one reason why uh, you know, even though uh, the uh, oh come on, the massive super collider. Why can't I think of the name? It's been oh, shut down at CERN. I ninety five. CERN. I know, <laughs> not I ninety five. I'm not talking about the I'm not talking about the yeah, no, one, the, the, one at, the one at CERN. Yes, yeah, CERN. I, I, I think we uh, able to call it CERN. Uh, why in dear God can yeah, I not? I just called um, it the CERN Super Collider. Uh, no. Things a physicist would name uh, a superconducting super collider. Large uh, Hadron Collider. Oh, oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, the yeah, LHC. I mean, that was one oh, of the yeah. reasons. Uh, you know, the the utter fact that unlike, say, the real line, which is it's continuous. I mean, we we can get into. Uh, is that Did you? <laughs> we can get. We can get into I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. Just let everybody know we're recording this in the mailroom, and uh, nobody can get in here because I locked them all out. People occasionally want their mail in. No. Uh, yeah, you know the one <laughs> time that any of these kids actually want any of us graduate students want to pick up the mail. The only yeah, possible like, time is while we're recording. It happens like once a semester. This yeah, is, I, this is the day. Apparently, <laughs> uh, so uh, unlike I uh, unlike. The real numbers, say, I mean, the line of the real numbers, which is uh, the undergraduate, uh, Chris Bates, uh, <laughs> it's his, it, it goes into his favorite uh, favorite idea, which is a manifold. Uh, he, he everything. That man is actually a manifold. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, you can't. He's very much a manifold. You can't send something. Inside, or? <laughs> you can't send something through the real numbers. I mean, if you just imagine the real numbers, you can't, like, shoot something through it. Without without ripping it, without separating. Oh right, right, right. Without right. separating no something, holes. you can't. It's, it's, it's not, no it's not a tube. It's oh, not okay, the end. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not. It's you just send things through it. You know. I think I already made that joke today. I think yes. That should be a punishment for making intro. making the same I joke I, twice. I think I need to mute. I, I need to mute Chris now. I just turn off this mic. Stevens already made that joke. It wasn't a joke when he said, "Ha ha ha." It was. You don't know. You don't know. Back. The off. man tried to build a bridge to nowhere. You got to spend that money. And now we need a bailout. <laughs> so, so you can't. You well, now we have order, to spend more money to go through that money. In order to go through, I mean, it's a continuous thing. There's, there's no gaps in the real numbers. But I mean, that's completely the opposite of way the real world works. There's gaps everywhere, and that's why, even though you know, it came out that the LHC and you know smashing things together could actually possibly you know maybe create a black hole 
the reason the reason it wasn't a it wasn't a problem is because we we don't I mean matter is not manifold in nature I mean it's not it's not continuous in nature uh, and so these black holes would be really tiny like infinitesimally tiny and they would actually be able to pass through an atom think of this a black hole that's so small Whoa. that it could pass through the nucleus of an atom without sucking anything into it yeah and um, and so therefore well, it could actually pass completely back through the earth not disrupt anything at all and so we well, don't have to be worried to be, about it well, sucking the earth up to be, and it, it wouldn't have just, any more gravity than to be the called a black hole though, the, it has to it has to have some sort of a rate where, where light can't escape it, mm -hmm. it can't escape if you get close enough to it and you yeah. can't really get you okay. can't get close <laughs> enough okay. to something yeah, that is so like tiny the, the event horizon shit of course, I don't remember. I, you're the physics master. Well, yeah, okay, so... No, no, he doesn't now, have now the physics degree is worth something. What the hell, master? <laughs> you guys suck. I have no superpowers. <laughs> Making fun of me for not having my third master's degree. You guys suck. What two do you have? <laughs> Theology and math. You, I didn't... I, did, I, never, I never finished the third one. Well, <laughs> God damn it. I did, I've done all the coursework, but I didn't do the master's he thesis. He passed his qualifier. I passed my qualifiers. You guys saw. Well, that was okay. in math, though. No, no, he passed his qualifiers in physics. Well, I was about to. I, oh, okay. I, I didn't actually take oh. them. I left. Okay. But still, I mean, you would finish all your coursework. You just had I your qualifiers. I finished all my coursework. Your... All I had to do... All I had to do was take the test and do my thesis. So are there any other degrees that you should have? I'll pull out of my pocket when the time comes. I don't want to tell him, I don't want to, tell him to you ahead of time. Okay? Te wanna... Technically, he, he had, yeah, Anthony did tell me a secret the other day. He is actually a master in origami folding. Um, no. He folded me a manifold. No, <laughs> so I did. If I'm going to pull something out of my pocket for my science fair project, six years in a row, I did do it on paper airplanes. <laughs> there, there. I had six years of folding practice for my science fair project. For no, okay. So, black holes in the LHC. First problem is they wouldn't have any more mass than the atoms than that the made them up atoms. anyway. So, but they'd have. Well, they, have, I mean, uh, they, they could would quite obviously have less. They, no, well, they could they could potentially they still contain yeah, yeah. all of the energy of the atoms, and when the when the atoms collide, when it stops, and it's no longer it still wouldn't be that no much. longer motion. It's no longer well, I mean, momentum. It, energy energy it equals mass. Into, it could turn the speed of light. Turn no, into if mass. if that were, if that were a problem, yeah. whenever the Squared. two, yeah, whenever the atoms would bang together uh -huh. all the energy turns into mass and if that if that right. were a problem gravitationally all the scientists would get sucked toward that spot and they don't yeah well i'm, I'm saying I'm whether saying or not it's, it's a black hole the mass just the mass is I'm, I'm saying that the mass the mass of the black hole could be larger than the sum of two atoms well the plus energy, their momentum the energy that that is attached to these atoms like the yeah i mean the the mass of an atom kind of won't well, well, all the energy, all the kinetic. En I mean, the whole point of having a collider is to give them lots of kinetic energy, and then can tur turn that into all that kinetic energy into random bits of matter. Yeah. And then try to figure out what you know. It's just random bits right, of matter, and right, try to figure right, out what all these right. random yeah, bits. Yeah. So are. exactly, the black hole could could have also sucked up some of these random bits, and maybe they rearrange well, themselves into atoms. They're all going to exist. They're all going to have the same amount of mass, whether or not they're a black hole. And they're all in a very tiny space. But it includes the mass of the energy. 
Yeah, which, which is but all, almost all that, boundless. The amount of no, energy no, 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 no. Almost all that kinetic energy gets turned into mass. Right at, at the collision. At the collision. So this. So, so this black all we're has, talking about normally is mass, and you can actually compute it, and it's you know it's very it it's they're, they're it's at, very large like for the amount of space we're talking about. percent of the speed of light. The the mass of a of a particle is probably. Uh, it's still less than the mass of a mole, I'm sure. Well, it's it's a lot of it's going to be a, a lot of mass of for the tiny amount of space we put it yeah, in. Yeah, so it's yeah. going to be, it's gonna be dense. It's but just... it's but it's going to be less massive than a golf ball, for example. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so yeah. it's even if it's a black hole, it's not going to pull you toward it any more than a golf ball. Well, I mean, but th these black holes that we Dude, I love that idea. Like, That's I want to get a super dense, super golf dense ball. golf ball. <laughs> just get, like, you hit it, your golf ball gets sucked, <laughs> get sucked into the ball. <laughs> hey, there's something wrong about it. <laughs> Talk about occupational <laughs> hazards. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let me, uh, let me explain yeah. your ball. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and see, I, thought you, I thought you were just really trying to like play a pun on catty, as in like I don't mean to be catty, you know. Oh, oh, like, oh, 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 yeah, that would have been awful. See, yeah, see, see no I just thought you were being that. a lot more clever than you actually <laughs> were. No one even brought it up. <laughs> these, these, uh, these, uh, well, Anthony, you'll be able to confirm this now. I mean, aren't these uh, these submicroscopic black holes there? Aren't they, a, uh, a don't they adhere to the rules of quantum mechanics, or don't we expect them to have some quantum behavior uh, because let's they're, see. they're so small in mass that they're 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 uh, they're uh, what do you call their wavelength? They're um, as you know, their quantum wavelength should should be relatively large compared to say a mass of one kilogram, whose whose wavelength would be extremely small. Have you ever heard of Hawking radiation? Yes. Yes. Right. Okay, so that's I what you're talking about. There, that's I, how I, I get my tan. Heard of that one. So yeah, that's what you're talking about. Because the black holes would be so small, uh, Hawking he has a theorem. He proved it. But it, yeah, you it, told me about that. It, the yeah, pro yeah. The proof he proved was... a physics theorem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If 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 math is not necessarily discovered, then I guarantee fucking t that physics is complete invention. Yeah. Okay. So so for people who don't know, I'm putting quotation marks around my proof. Um. What I mean is, there is no such thing as a theory of quantum gravity, and so black holes having quantum quantum uh, attributes to go with them, obviously you can't prove it since there's no theory of quantum gravity to prove it in. But anyway, I would put it more along the lines that he suggests, and everybody think that he's right, that a black hole of any size, due to certain thermodynamic properties, would actually actually releases a certain amount of matter per unit time depending upon its mass. The more massive it is, the less it lets go. Uh, super tiny ones would explode l in less than a second. Yeah. So they it, were, it doesn't, it doesn't, not only are they not strong enough to pull anything into them, even if they, they don't were last stable. long enough to uh, do anything. Okay. Even if they were stable, they wouldn't be a problem. And yeah. they're not even what probably going to be stable. What do they explode into? Do they, maybe no, they, they just kind of like random matter. Yeah, it's, random it's matter. Just, did our anti, it's just our radiation. particles created? Um... Okay, so Hawking's suggestion... CERN, CERN um, has some process that creates antimatter. They don't know how to harness it into large... Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's no, what they're that, doing. That's they're the, smashing oh. antimatter and matter together. No, I thought... No, I thought, no sometimes it's they too, just... It's too... Sometimes uh, they do that. Sometimes, oh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes they do. Yeah. Okay. 
And I know that that was one of the things. That was the, one of the ones that they're like the most excited about. Well, that's I, the coolest. It's just yeah. hard to get that much antimatter together. To yeah, well, and, and, and the thing is, is that they one particle. You're not going to do that one. That's a really expensive equipment to do one particle at a time. Oh, I thought that I thought that that's what they did. They just took a single atom, or a single uh, beta particle, or whatever. well, or so long as you can neutron. keep track of where everything's at, you don't just run the equipment with one particle. I mean, and you, you, get, you have to you have to remember out. that the LHC is like miles. miles. Well, it's it's bigger than that. It's the size of one of our states. Yeah, I mean, not obviously. It's not the size of Montana. It actually goes I, through a few countries. Yeah, it's it's in multiple countries. I think that it may be as big, if not slightly bigger, than like Rhode Island, the complete like area that it that covers. Keeping track of where Giant anything is at that circle. point, say you know, keeping track of whether or not you remember to properly seal your liquid helium canisters. Yeah, <laughs> as many as there are, might be a bit of an a bit Those of an issue. Those things are but, great when they explode. Smoke everywhere. <laughs> Expensive, but lots of fun to watch. So you're saying little black <laughs> holes aren't actually black? I mean, well, not black. I mean, they they emit. Well, yeah, I guess Chris if you're going to talk about it that right. way, that's right. They're not so black. No, no, they're white. They're 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 Caucasian. They're Caucasian, they're Caucasian holes. Technically, they're kind of gray because they're releasing matter and energy all over the place. So they're no longer black. They're gray holes. Yeah, I suppose that'd be true. Yeah. Okay, so. We're getting back into oh. you know some form of mathematics here, perhaps instead oh. of completely invented, invented fake physics. Uh, Somebody so, who agrees. So, with I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean, we have we do have these axiomatic systems. This is going back, however long ago we were actually talking about this. But we have these axiomatic systems, and as as we've said, there's these weird paradoxes that obviously cannot be true. I mean, there there's no way that you can actually take one solid sphere and make it into two solid spheres that all have the same volume, that both have the same volume as the original. But you can prove it mathematically. Uh, given a some axiom. So, I mean, doesn't that kind of, like, throw everything in the face of pure mathematics? I mean, just just, I well, mean, that... just looking at pure math, I mean, pure math in its, in its purest form, just, you know, set theory and some basic number theory stuff. Well, it sounds like a failure of Whoa. mathematics, of pure mathematics, to model... Um, I'm sorry, it sounds like a failure of pure mathematics to model precisely physical reality. So in that sense, that's, pure mathematics I don't, can develop I don't think independently. That's, I think that's a good question. Pure, I, pure I don't think that one. But are, are we supposed to be modeling physical well, reality? Well, yeah, see, see, that's the well, thing. We don't have to be doing anything. It's pure math. I it's, mean, it's, I could... The the, well, the, you, the sphere you're making, if you assume, like, in order for you to assume it's a failure, you have to assume that it's attempting to model reality in the first place. And mathematics is not necessarily an attempt to model reality. Mathematics could be just an attempt to dick around, I don't know, uh, with some algebra and Well, and so if, if we take mathematics that way, then mathematics is simply the, the collection of all statements that in some universe could theoretically be true. Um, okay. Uh, or isn't... Or, or just given... Given uh, axioms that follow, uh, and that's that's non contradicting, non contradicting. Yeah, yeah. See, that's why we have set theory boy here. Uh, <laughs> non contradicting axioms that could exist that are true under those axioms, just by convention. I mean, so yeah. so in some ways we we are. I mean, as as uh, Nathan said earlier, we. It is like a fifty-fifty sort of thing, and we're we're taking 
we're taking something and we're inventing it. So we're inventing these axioms. And by inventing those axioms, we're inventing some universe. It doesn't have to be a physical universe. Just we're inventing a universe in which these are true and there's nothing that you can do to argue against it. And then we discover everything that follows from those axioms. So that's more interesting. Because, I mean, we could argue that maybe those universes actually exist. Because, I mean, there are people who do. Those universes actually exist and somehow we're tapping into them by talking about the axioms that we do talk about. And then the physical reality kind of, it's because there's so many possible realities, physical reality max actually matches up with one of those. I'm going to throw something out there. Um, I mean, it seems as though from our experience as humans, uh, you know, we, we count things around us. So, you know, I count the number of uh, ink pens in my pocket and there are three of them, uh, or, or maybe Nathan has what appears to be more of them. So I have this human concept of uh, co comparability. So, you know, he has more ink pens than I have. And then we all agree that this number of ink pens is represented by the symbol three. And this number of ink pens is represented by the symbol four. So we have like a physical inspiration for the natural numbers. That's, that's, that's what I, that's why I've always argued uh, with, uh, I had a professor who was uh, very much a Platonist mm -hmm. and I had a seminar with him once seminar class. And uh, he he was very interested in me being a mathematician and being incredibly anti-Plato about how I could possibly feel that I could do mathematics without knowing for sure that there is this form of, say, three. Three was always the one that gets always gets brought up in this fucking argument. And it, my essential feeling is that three is not necessarily... Three is more real than two, that's why. <laughs> three three <laughs> yeah. is not necessarily... <laughs> Uh, three, it's not necessarily exactly the same thing to every single person was my argument, but we have come to a consensus. Yeah. So that's what I would think. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you say you live in a world where all addition is done by clock addition, for example, then you might argue that, you know, seven, every, while everyone else in the world seems to agree that seven plus seven equals 14, the person in clock world would say seven plus seven equals two. And yeah, be because I mean, you're right. doing you're doing it addition mod twelve, addition mod twelve, right? 12. right. Like no. if, if the at seven o'clock you had seven hours. If the universe actually were, um, like a like a four sphere or, or something. Well, well that, I mean, that's true. I mean, what what if that's a perfectly what good way of looking at it? What if the universe is actually bounded? Then we have to do modulo. Well, I mean, there is one. I mean, yeah, I mean, if not, I mean, you're going one direction, bounded, but yeah, in such a way that if you get to one end, you come in from the diametrically opposed yeah. end of it or you go one zillion miles one direction the asteroid it's, exactly it's the asteroid video game oh oh yeah, there, there we go, see, there there we go. An asteroid video game. okay okay yeah then sans then the asteroids you would <laughs> kind of lame. two distances then you would t you would um, you would have to do clockwork addition in some way but well, i mean it's just yeah. I mean, just modular every make, the, the it entire universe is modular and that's what we're going to go out on today uh that the universe is completely modular i would like to let you all know that you can reach us in a few different ways you can uh email us if you feel the need topic suggestions general ideas how much you absolutely hate listening to us blather on or how much you absolutely love us we'd really love that at combinations and permutations at gmail.com we're also going to be posting up show notes at combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com. And we have a MySpace page at myspace.com slash cppodcast.
Also, if you care at all to pay attention to what I do, Sam, uh, what I, Sam, do on a general basis, you can check out my Twitter feed at twitter.com slash roguelead0. That's R-O-G-U-E-L-E-A-D-Z-E-R-0. Thank you all, and I hope that you have a very math-friendly week. Well, that's it for the first episode of Combinations and Permutations. This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. All the music that you heard on today's podcast is from SP12. If you want to hear more SP12, go to opsound.org and check them out. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.